Recording this episode was a very moving and emotional experience for me. Something about the journey, the mission and compassion of our guests left me misty-eyed during the recording and again while editing the episode. This episode has two parts. In part one, we talked to Amy Peterson, the co-founder of Rebel Now, about her journey, her motivation and inspiration that led her to start the business. What keeps her going when the times are tough? In part two, we view the business through the eyes of Rebel Nell's employee, Ethel Rucker. I hope this episode has a similar impact on you. We create a social enterprise that's dedicated to hiring women directly from the shelter. We'll teach them the skills they need. I don't want that to be a barrier to entry for them. We'll teach them everything they need. And while they're working with us, they'll get a good wage and we'll provide all the wraparound support. So we'll help them tackle the barriers that have been prohibitive in the past. And then we'll enable them to get to a place where they can breathe. And then they can start to dream about what have they always wanted to do? We're selling happiness and joy and memories and empowerment. I feel that you should feel a certain way when you wear Rebel Now. Don't get me wrong, gig work is what it is. You know, it gives you freedom, but I needed more <laughs> stable income. And she was able to link me up with Rebel Now from there, which is amazing. They know that I wanted to be a homeowner. Me and other members want to be homeowners also. They actually brought someone in to talk about the process of becoming a homeowner. So that's something that I love about Rebel Nell. They're not just saying that they <laughs> like to do these things, change these women's lives in a male, because we have one male, <laughs> Russell, actually change our lives and given the support that we need. Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Vidya Ayer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands that are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today, we have with us Amy Peterson, co-founder of Rebel Now, one of no other kind. She joins us from Detroit, Michigan. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Women's empowerment is in the forefront of many of our guests. Why is it so important for Rebel Nell to empower women? Critics may say that there are men who experience similar hardships, addiction, incarceration. Why not support everybody? Support both. I think for one, Rebel Nell started for me is very much a, a personal journey and a personal desire to support women. Uh, I mean, when you, you look at the broad scope of inequities, women seem to be hit and based on data as well are hit the hardest. My journey started when I was pretty young. I wanted to be the first female general manager of a major league baseball team. Mm-hmm. That had never been done until last year. That was a big year for last year. And I wanted to work in baseball. So I set out to do that. And I spent 11 years working in the industry. At the time when I was working in the industry, it was not the most 
embracing of, of women with these kind of ambitions who really wanted to cross over into the good old boys club. So I think that was a big driving force. I also happened to be living next to a woman's shelter in Detroit. So it was kind of tied together, this desire to, to help and empower women primarily. How high did you rise up in the ranks? I went from an intern to being an associate general counsel for them. Pretty impressive. Thank you. So that was really like the impetus is, is my challenges in baseball alongside me living next to a, a shelter that was dedicated to women and families and getting to know them and they became my neighbors. And also put it in perspective of 13, 2012 in Detroit. I was facing one of the largest municipal bankruptcies the country had ever seen. And we could see with our eyes the resources that were being depleted. And I could see it firsthand it was happening to this particular shelter. And so it, it just became this idea, this concept of, you know, kind of that perfect storm of all those factors of, wow, what if we just created a company dedicated to women? End of story. Not saying I'm not open to men down the road, but our primary focus is always going to be women. What were some of the striking data which kind of nudged you to start this? You know, so many women in Detroit, particularly, are faced with homelessness. So often it is single mothers who are, you know, head of households. And it's just, I think for me, the biggest lesson that I learned is how we're all so similar in the world and in general. And there is just small degrees of separation that separates opportunities and exposure, for lack of a better wording. And I was grateful that I grew up with a support system around me that when I had tough times, mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to be able to rely on them. How challenging the world can be if you don't have that support system. And that was a lot of what I was seeing firsthand is these incredible women. And many of them left challenging situations in search of a better opportunity, not only for themselves, but for their families. And that meant leaving situations that maybe they were comfortable in, or maybe they had to sacrifice their house because we were in the midst of a recession. So many different things where you don't have a support system. Mm -hmm. It's pretty quickly to fall pretty hard and pretty fast. And it really broke down a big misconception for me, too, about women being homeless. That was a, a lesson that I needed to see and I needed to learn. So did you volunteer in the homeless shelter? How were you involved? I actually just would talk to them. Literally, they were my friends. I would chat with them when I went out walking my dog. I lived right next door. When I had the concept for the business, I wanted to make sure this was an actual need I went in and I met with the heads of the shelter and I said, I have this idea. Hear me out. What do you think of this concept where we create a social enterprise that's dedicated to hiring women directly from the shelter? We'll teach them the skills they need. I don't want that to be a barrier to entry for them. We'll teach them everything they need. And while they're working with us, they'll get a good wage and we'll provide all the wraparound support. So we'll help them tackle the barriers that have been prohibitive in the past. And then we'll enable them to get to a place where they can breathe. And then they can start to dream about what have they always wanted to do when you're living in such a scramble mentality, living paycheck to paycheck and not getting the opportunity to focus on yourself because the opportunities aren't there. You don't get the chance to really dream. So that is a lot of what we have focused on in the past 
the women were with us for approximately two years. The first is tackling those barriers. And then the second part is now that you can breathe, whatever you wanted to do and how do we get you closer to that goal? Overall, I think we do an amazing job of doing a really deep dive for the women who come into the Rebel Nell family and seeing them through to the next phase. You were doing this while you were still working for the baseball company? Yes. I never thought that this would be a full-time job. I actually thought it would just be a passion project, something that I love to do on the side because after all, I had reached my dream of working in sports. But then it became, I often refer to it as an internal tug that I was ignoring, trying to quiet, getting it to go away. But it was became all I was really thinking about. And then for me, it was a matter of, wow, could I do this full time? Mm-hmm. Was I willing and able to let go of my ego? You know, it was a lot of it to go pursue this, but I just feel so driven to have more of an impact and to, you know, we know that what we're doing works. If I were to go full time, could we do it even more? So Although the company started in 2013, I really only came in full-time in the middle of 2018. So do you have a background in fashion design, retail? Nope. (laughs) But my business partner does, which is really helpful. We are a great dynamic duo, we, we like to say. I'm just more of the crazy brain, the crazy ideas. She's the one that has the real skills with the retail and she's the yin to my yang. And she went to school for fashion merchandising. She actually took some jewelry classes. I used to make jewelry when I was in law school. We openly admit this to call either one of ourselves actual jewelry artisans is a disservice to those who are actual jewelry artisans. I had the concept for the product. We wanted to do something that is also environmentally proactive in the sense that we purpose material. So we collect items that would otherwise be discarded and we preserve them as memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just had the concept for turning discarded material into jewelry. And so we use a lot of fallen graffiti has been a big item for us that we purpose. You were ahead of most people because... In 2021, all I hear about is sustainability. COP26 is happening today as we record this episode. Biden administration is talking about other sustainability goals for America. How did you even think about sustainability? How did you think it would be? Probably you were a mindful person. You were conscious and in those days, eco-friendly person. But how did you know that your customers would even understand or appreciate it? Ah, such a fantastic question. Whether or not my customers would appreciate it. I don't think we did enough market research when we started. I think we really went off of our gut. And, you know, I encourage a lot of small businesses to start this way too, is get in front of a test audience. Like a lot of people have great ideas, but they may actually be crazy. I still sometimes think our idea is crazy to turn, you know, repurpose material that some people may consider trash, but we're, we think it's so beautiful to repurpose it. You know, do an event in front of your friends or our local art fair just to test it. And when we did that in 2013, the response was overwhelming. And that was what we needed to believe in ourselves, that we really had this idea. Because you're right, and we don't give ourselves enough credit. 
for that. But the, you know, kind of the, we built a triple bottom line company, which is now the new buzzword. This, what we started out to do in 2013. And I'm not by any means saying we were the first, but it was not a popular, I had never heard of it until recently. And then you realized that you were doing this since 2013. Yes. In fact, I was on a panel with a bunch of, you know, automakers the other day, and here they all talking about trying to pivot into being really sustainable and I'm like, where have you guys been? (laughs) Someday we'll get to that scale. I would love it. (laughs) So what do you use to make your products? A lot of what we use is, for example, with the graffiti. We have a really strict no peel policy. We actually uh, wait till it falls on the ground and then we go pick it up or we have people pick it up for us and send it to us. It's been really beautiful. Some of our collaborations that we've done in other cities because it's been really crowdsourced. People have just sent us material that they found while they were out walking their dog with a note that says, found this while I was out. I love everything about you guys. I hope you can do some great, you know, good with this. And that's actually how we did our Chicago graffiti collection. It's all just found by people. So we ask that no one touches the walls and wait till it falls off. Mother of nature will do the trick when it's required. Mm-hmm. But then the other fun thing too, is we really understand that a lot of our jewelry and our pieces are about preserving memories. And that has opened a bunch of different doors for us. And we've been partnering with sports teams. If they're demolishing an arena or a stadium, we've been able to take scraps and turn it into special collections for the fans. Most recent one we did, many people know the sound of Motown, a wonderful export from Detroit. And the Motown Museum, based here in the city, was they're undergoing construction. They found a bunch of old albums. Mm -hmm. And we were able to repurpose those into a really cool and beautiful collection. So that's the fun part. Look at the world with different eyes after working at Rebel Nell because you can see so much opportunity with stuff that's often wasted. Talked about Chicago. Did you make any with the rebels of the soldiers field? Not yet, but that's a great idea. Yes. Who's ever listening on this podcast, send the people our way. (laughs) (laughs) How did you understand or even experiment to figure out how to make these pieces of paint peeled off chips durable? Great, because that is one that sometimes I look at it and it's so beautiful. Each piece is so truly beautiful. And that's why our tagline is one of no other kind, because each piece truly is one of a kind. We can't recreate it just because of the nature of the material. It's all really individual. But we also think that each piece is really special, not only because of the cross-section, but because of the woman who made it and the vision that she had for it. Our creative design team gets to be incredibly creative with each piece that they make. And that's part of the journey of Rebel Nell and works on building their confidence. But how the original one started, I was running one day and I saw some graffiti on the ground and I thought just as a piece alone, it looked really cool. You could see the different layers of paint. I turned it on its side and you could see the history of it. You know, how many people have painted on that little chunk. I thought, wow, that's really unique, but how do we expose all the layers? How do we tell the story of this little piece? Mm -hmm. And I also thought it was so cool just because of the layers. And and again, put in perspective of Detroit in 2012, 2013, Detroit was being written off by the world. I was so discarded and a city not worth visiting. 
And here it is, this beautiful city that's made up of incredible ideas and people and and history. And I thought, well, this is so symbolic, this little piece, this little chunk of graffiti. So we went home and I called my business partner. I said, come over, I've got an idea. I want to turn this into wearable art. How do we do this? And so we started playing around and the first pieces were absolute crap, but we kept prototyping and kept trying and ultimately have the beautiful pieces that we have today. Explain to me if you are able to the process. I saw some videos on your website where you're sanding the little fragments. Yep. So it comes in once we collect it and then we'll take it through a special process. We do have one part that's proprietary where we'll, how we reveal all the layers. And then from there, we put it in its casing. So we have custom made bezels for each piece and then we'll put a protective resin or epoxy on top of it to really seal it in and bring out the vibrancy of each piece. And then it's chained or hooked and hopefully goes to its forever home. So how did you find the right epoxy? Because sometimes the polyurethane could actually discolor and not be as transparent or yellow. How did you find the right one? It's actually still an evolving process, to be honest, especially when as a team, we're, we're so creative and we love trying new materials. Every material we have, there's a, some sort of different reaction to the epoxy. And you're right, epoxy is one of the most challenging things to work with. And we always joke that like bubbles are our enemy because they just, they show up and that's a chemical reaction with whatever the material is. So just when you think you've got it figured out, we'll do something different and it throws it off. So we've tried many different ones and some require a different formula just based on if we're dealing with fabric. Sometimes we have to do a smaller coat and then another more thicker coat on top. Mm -hmm. It depends. I wish there was a more accurate science that I could tell you because that would save us a ton of time and energy, but we haven't solved the riddle yet and we've been doing it for a while. So what was the impetus for you to quit your lucrative job (laughs) and jump on board Rebel Nell? How big were you in 2018 when you joined? Oh, the company Rebel Now, we were pretty small. We were, there were six of us. Yeah, we were small, small but mighty. And we're still small. We're COVID impacted everybody. But, you know, know, the question of what made me decide to do it, it was that internal tug, realistically, of, you know, I tried to think about the very simple phrase of, you know, you'd rather, you regret the things in life you don't do more than the ones you did. And I was constantly questioning the, what if I go to rebel now? What if I go to rebel now? And it's easier for me to stay in, it was a great job. I mean, it was, it was a dream job for many. It was a dream job for myself, but it wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling. And rebel now was feeding that for me at the time. And it took me, honestly, it took me two years to get to the point where I was like, I'm ready to go. And there were a lot of nights I cried about it, a lot of tugging back and forth. But I will tell you today, despite a pandemic, despite being a business owner during this crazy time, I haven't regretted it one day. Because of the purpose. Yeah, I love what I do. It is more stressful. I cry even more, (laughs) but I love what I do. I really do. I want it to be successful not only for me and my family, but for the women I serve. This is my success is their success. Mm -hmm. I have a beautiful team. 
And I'm so blessed to be able to do what I do every day. I like your choice of words, the women you serve. Mm. Tell me how you reach out to them. Do you still only work with this one homeless shelter or have you grown? We actually have nine hiring partners now, which is amazing. And we've expanded even our reach. So broad definition is women with barriers to employment, but that can be women who've been faced with homelessness, who've been previously incarcerated, refugees, LGBTQ+. And that's not exhaustive either. That's just where we are at this point. I look forward to the future and, and seeing how many more women we can serve. For us, the secret sauce is the fact that we work very closely with our shelter partners and they are the ones who really vet the women for us. So when we're looking to hire or we're ready to hire, we reach out. And for us, the only thing that matters is three things. We don't do a background check because that's not important to us. What Your past is your past. It's not where you want to go. Do you have a desire to change your situation, can work well with others, and a willingness to learn? Those three things, that means you have a fire inside of you. That fire we can work with. The fire may go down, it may go up. Like It'll fluctuate. That's life. But if you have it, we can work with you. Why was the open hire policy, no background checks, important for you? Because as a business owner, there are risks to get somebody on board that you're not sure. We want to protect our assets. Yes. Well, I think also with the justice system, you know, disproportionately impacting many people of color and to have something that maybe they did when they were a kid to continue to impact them is just, in my opinion, is unfair. And I wish more companies would eliminate the box that you check of, you know, whether or not you have a criminal record. I think I also am a firm believer in second chances. You know, going back to what I mentioned earlier about, I appreciate the family and the support that I have. If you don't have that, you know, you have someone there to tell you you're making a bad choice or a bad decision. If you don't have that, it's easy to make decisions that maybe you now regret, but that shouldn't be what defines your life. So many of us are literally on that edge between just falling off yes, versus landing. And that little support, that little push back on the other side can help you and change your life. Absolutely. And we see it and I'm fortunate to be a part of it. And that's, you know, when you ask the women that we serve, to me, it's an honor to be able to, to serve them and to be with them and learn from them. And it's a wonderful, I know you shouldn't call your work your family, but we really have a family environment. I mean, we, we tell each other we love each other. Like it's, it's that deep, but it's, it's important. How did you start your company? Where did you get funding mm. for Rebel Nell? Was it self-funded or? At the time, we did a couple pitch competitions, small ones, but great ones. And why that was important, the money was great. Like we ended up getting $1,800 to start our company. Not big money, but it's called Detroit Soup. And it was phenomenal because the whole community comes out or a lot of people can come out. It's open to anybody. You pay $5 and with it, you get a soup, a salad and a vote. And it's all kind of crowdsourced, even the food. Mm -hmm. And people are selected. Four people go up and you are you have to pitch. No technology is allowed, which I love because it really evens the playing field. 
It's just your passion. And we won in July of 2013. And I'll never forget that day because at the time, Diana and I had spent a lot of our money really prototyping and like getting the jewelry right. But it was our idea. It was the fact that people believed in us to give us their $5 meant more to me than the money because it was validation that our idea was what had merit and was a good idea. That was what started it. Mm -hmm. We've done some impact funding since then and took on an equity partner last year. So we're now, you know, kind of getting the big girl pants on to, you know, just to really scale it. We, I want to see how much impact we can have to date. We've hired 34 women out of the shelter and have graduated 22 into the traditional workforce. And I'm ready for that to be in the hundreds because you know, it's not just them. It's all of the women, all of their family members. It's their neighbors that now look up to their neighbor differently and have learned a lot. We've helped a lot of neighbors. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then also, I think something that we don't talk about ever, but the impact that we're having, even with our supply chain, you know, we have made a very conscious and committed effort to work only with companies that have a similar mission and empower women. So, you know, our impact is, is deeper more than our just, you know, our 34 people we've personally employed. We know it goes more than that. And when you talk about 34 women, the lives you impact are far more because also women give back to their own communities Yes, than men do. They stay within their communities. They improve their communities. And it's true. And we see it. You know, we'll do lunch and learns. And sometimes our team members will bring their um, neighbors over just to join in the lunch and learn because they're open to anybody. So women are awesome. <laughs> so the two years... How do you help them? So we partner with T. T is a nonprofit that we launched and now partnered with. And T works closely with Rebel Now and they'll work with other social enterprises to provide that wraparound support. So we are really focused on you know, workforce development, giving them the skill of jewelry making as well as customer service because that is really transferable. But while they're with Rebel Now, we're also on the side tackling those barriers that have been prohibitive in the past from financial literacy training, business education, life wellness, housing resources, legal aid. We really do a deep dive to understand what has been holding you back and how do we help you address that, but with a permanent solution and not just putting a Band-Aid on it, but how do we really get to the core of it? We actually are starting to work on incorporating mindfulness and some yoga as well. And that's kind of your one is getting you to a place where you can breathe. For us, a big driving force is making sure you have housing that's stable. If you have stable housing, you tend to be able to focus on a lot more things in life. And then what's the next thing? Barriers with transportation. Are you able to get to and from work? If not, why? Do you have an infraction on your record? Okay, let's get that cleaned up. Let's, now that you can get your driver's license cleaned up, can we where are we on the car situation? Or do you need to take public transportation? Can we help with that? We'll subsidize it for a little bit, but so long as there's a plan in place that you can become self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. And then working on credit score is really important. That's a huge, huge, huge one for us. Uh, we see it time and time again. If you can get your credit score in good shape, the world is your oyster. Homelessness has a huge impact on employability. Because you need to put your address down for your employer. And most employers 
if they Google the address and they find out that you're living in a shelter, may sometimes not be so open to hiring you because they don't know whether you're transitioning, whether you would stay long enough with them. And most people don't realize how crucial just having a stable address is. Yeah, not only for the employment board, just for your own mental stability and wanting to be... It's a confidence as well, like taking care of your family and having food, water, shelter. That's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's where it starts. The core of you starts. And shelter is such an important part of that. So you've done a lot of good, but it couldn't have been without challenges. Like often we try to help somebody, but it could backfire. Oh, yeah. Lots. Lots of times. And I think for a long time... And I'm still a work in progress, but those were the times that bothered me the most. (sighs) And because it was like the ones that got away, but I'm trying to shift my focus to focusing all the great that has happened for Rebel Nell and for the women. And what's fascinating is every single one of the women that maybe weren't ready or they didn't go through the process the way I thought they should have or would have. Every one of them has come back later on and either apologized for not taking advantage of the opportunity or said how grateful they were that they learned a lot from Rebel Nell, but they just didn't appreciate it at the time. That's been really humbling and amazing to be a part of too, because Rebel Nail, there's the perfect two-year graduation, right? That we always aspire to, but that may not be for everybody. And if they come in and only get a little bit of what they need, that was impactful as well. What needs to happen for somebody to graduate in two years? It's really on them. And it's not, a, by any stretch of the imagination, like a hard two years and then you're out the door. If we're, We like to set a goal and an expectation when you start. And that's part of the intake is understanding what do you want to do? Your dream isn't necessarily to be a jewelry maker. We're here to help you on the journey. Uh, but let's talk about you and what do you want to accomplish? And let's get you closer to that. So we say two years because it's, it's roughly, it can be 18 to 26 months, somewhere in there. We have curriculum really established with our partner with T and then with Rebel Nell, they have expectations and and goals and raises that we like to see them achieve because we want to get them to $15 an hour as fast as possible. But the anticipation is that they're graduating into jobs with $18 an hour plus better benefits. I shouldn't say better. They're just different because they're ready for different benefits and they have to hit certain milestones and we have regular check-ins on that as well. So what do you train them for? What kind of jobs do they get after they leave Rebel Nell? I think what's fun is that it's pretty broad and it really is based on what you want to do. But I will say the majority of places that we've placed people that have, we've had a lot of success is in the home health care industry. That's a good opportunity for our ladies because there's a lot of flexibility with that. And particularly since we serve a lot of single mothers that the home healthcare industry has been a good placement. A lot of entrepreneurs, which has been great. We have one graduate who's just absolutely killing it with her baked goods company. Some have gone on to work in automotive. Some have gone to work for Amazon. So it really is all over the place, but it's it depends on what's driving them. What, what do they want? You mentioned that the pandemic affected your business. How did it affect your business? Amazing that I'm even sitting 
to you here now almost are we two years into this thing and um more <laughs> i don't even know anymore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who even knows who knows <laughs> yeah. and it's still impacting us <sighs> i mean it we completely we legally had to shut everything down so we stopped we halted everything so the women lost their source of livelihood they did we were fortunate enough that we were able to cover all of lost wages during that time even though we were shut down we actually didn't have to terminate anybody for a couple of things a we were able to fundraise for part of the salary and then the jewelry we sold during the time was a lot of old inventory that we actually had as a blessing um, that we were able to just sell that and cover everybody's lost wages we got creative with the government payroll options that were out there as well that were really helpful mm -hmm. but all of our retailers shut down so we were grateful that we had a website that was how we were able to do all of our sales but all of our retail partners and we have 40 plus retail partners they were all shut down as well so it was last year was scary but there was a lot of support out there this year has been so much harder because the support is gone, but the expectation is that you're going to come out and just be absolutely fine this year, but the world isn't fine. So this year has been really challenging, more so than 2020. And last year I felt everybody was sort of in the same boat, right? And there was more compassion early on. And now it's like people are tired. And people are rude and I don't understand why. I mean, everyone's got their own angst and it's, this has been hard for everybody. But there's, you're right, the kindness and compassion has dwindled a lot. Think about this time last year. There was a huge push for shop small, support local business. It's crickets right now. It is so quiet on that front. The labor shortage is tough on the businesses. Oh my gosh, are we all struggling? And I consider myself blessed compared to so many of my friends because I have almost everybody still there. But I know we have everybody. I shouldn't say almost. We have everybody still there. But it's just I don't blame people for their desire to not work and deal with crabby people. So <laughs> I don't know what the world has in store for us, but it's all going to be okay. I, I know that. I'll trust that. Yeah, and some part of it could be they say that it takes... 12 weeks or around 66 days for people to form a habit. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the shopping that, you know, oh, I have nothing to do. I'll take a stroll down and pick up something which I really don't need. It's sort of taking the back seat. Yeah, exactly. And we don't sell, we're not selling an essential item and we're not selling, you know, I think we are, we are selling happiness and joy and memories and empowerment. I feel that you should feel a certain way when you wear Rebel Now, but there's also so much competition online that it's hard to stand out to. There's even more no than there was. So it's a really unique time. I'm optimistic about Rebel Now's future. I really am. I think we've got an amazing team and we're all really motivated to be successful, but it's not going to be without a big mountain to climb in front of us. What are your next steps? Our next steps are growing into other markets, growing our brand into other markets, really focused on Atlanta, Miami, and Chicago right now. And we just need more people to know about us. That's our biggest struggle. What sort of retail outlets carry your products? That's a lot of smaller boutique stores, some art galleries, 
We're on Zappos and Gromit.com and a couple other larger retailers. We actually just got picked up by Amazon. So we'll see how that does for us. But that is, you're so buried in the bulk of bajillions of things. We're pushing to be in more stores as well. Since little pieces are like babies for you, have you come across somebody wearing it on the street? Yes. It is more exciting than seeing like your favorite celebrity for me. It is the coolest thing. And I never tell people who I am. I just compliment them on their necklace or earring. And I say, and then I let them tell me the story. And that warms my heart. And I usually will walk away and shed a tear or two just out of pride or happiness that they received the message of love and they get it. Because what comes back to me is our mission, our story, why their piece is so unique. And it's like, yes, okay, all right. <laughs> So yes, that's happened quite a few times and it's happened a lot at the airport, which is really cool. Sending you and your family all the love that we can. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming on Mindful Businesses. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored. I really enjoyed this. We want to take a different twist to this episode. You just heard part one of Rebel Nell's founder Amy Peterson's journey. Now we go to the part two of our episode. Who and how does Rebel Nell impact? Let's view the story from a different lens. The lens of Ethel Rucker, the production lead of Rebel Nell. Welcome Ethel. We are so happy to have you on our show. Thank you for having me. I'm privileged to be here. So tell me about yourself. Where are you joining the call from? I'm joining the call from home. <laughs> Me and my family was quarantining really quick, but I will be turned pretty soon. So I'm at home. This whole corona is something else for sure. <laughs> I think it affects all of us in one way or another. And home is where? In Detroit, Detroit, Michigan. How did you hear about Rebel Now? I've been heard about Rebel Now years ago, the great things that they were doing. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I was either working or my schedule couldn't align to ever work for Rebel Nell at the times that I saw them years ago. Actually, Latanya Walker, which is the um, social worker for Rebel Nell, she told me that they was having a job opening. And I'm like, that's perfect. That was back in October 2020. And I'm like, this is perfect timing. And I was able to get in. And why was it important for you to work for Rebel Nell? I think it's important to work for Rebel Now because their mission, the great things that they're doing. Like, I'm a creator. <laughs> so certain environments I can really thrive in. But in Rebel Now's environment, where they allow their employees, they give us the direction to go in. And then they allow us creative freedom, if you will. Every day I work there, I'm able to create. And along with that, not only the employment aspect, they help grow you professionally. Uh, also, I was able to move within my year. I actually celebrated my first year there, October of this year. But I was promoted within six months of working there. Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing. They really, for their employees, they see what you're like, what your interests are. And then they try to work with that. Um, like, I'm a photographer. And they have hired me on multiple occasions to be a photographer for them. 
So what did you do prior to that? Prior to working for um, Rebel Nail, I um, was actually a homemaker. I have four children. That's what I was doing. Like, of course, I did like Uber Eats or Lyft or something like that. But I don't, even though it is a source of income, I don't see that as a stable job, if you will. That's what I was doing before I went to Rebel Nail. You were driving the Uber and Lyft and doing the jobs in the gig economy, as they call it now. Mm-hmm. How were you able to make ends meet? It was actually very difficult, but I was actually at Cots with my family, a homeless shelter in Detroit, over six years ago. I was able to keep up a relationship with them through their passport to self-sufficiency program and the different programs that they have. So that's how I know Latanya Walker. So when she knew that I was looking for employment, like more stable employment, don't get me wrong, gig work is what it is. You know, it gives you freedom, but I needed more <laughs> stable income. And she was able to link me up with Rebel Nail from there, which is amazing. It was the best choice I ever did being employed by Rebel Nail. How old are your children? 16, 14, 12, and 7. So the 7 year old is pretty young still. Yes. Actually, when I was in the cot shelter, she was like three months. So it's been about seven years since I've been there. Do you still live in the shelter? No, I don't still live in the shelter. But I still keep a really good relationship with cots. And, you know, it's like one of those things where they want to see their clients like flourish. And they understand that even though you're out of the shelter, you still need certain supports. So now with Rebel Nell, are you self-sufficient financially? Well, I'm getting there. That's what I love about them, too. I'm actually able to make a livable wage, which is above the minimum wage. How much do you get paid? Right now, I make $15 an hour. And that's with me being a production lead. And of course, there's always room for me to be able to get a pay increase or what have you. We're working there. A person to become emotionally, financially stable There are other things that contribute to that stability other than a stable job. Has Rebel Nell supported you in any other way? Yes. When it comes to my business, like I always tell them I want to, my main goal is to be a business owner. I'm all about generational wealth, creating that. And right now I am a photographer. So they was able to hire me for different jobs and they see that I needed support with building my business. So they actually hired a business coach for me that I've been working with for months, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. They do lunch and learns a lot. They know that I want to be a homeowner. Me and other members want to be homeowners also. They actually brought someone in to talk about the process of becoming a homeowner. And we're working with that person to like build our credit and get to the point where we're able to be business owners. So that's something that I love about Rebel Nell. They're not just saying that they <laughs> like to do these things, change these women's lives in a male, because we have one male, <laughs> Russell, actually change our lives and given the support that we need and not just throwing um, grants at us and different things like that. They actually working with us, bringing people in to help us, which is amazing. So it's almost like a relative giving you support. Definitely, because I don't have that family support. So I have to look outward with that. I don't have a rich uncle or grandfather or someone that can give me that support. So I have to look outward. And Rebel Nell has been that for sure. You've completed about a year of your two-year quote-unquote graduation program. 
What's unique about me is by me getting that promotion, I actually relinquished the two-year um, graduation process. They actually have me there for longer, <laughs> as long as I won't want to grow with the company. And the same for Russell, our male employee. Well, my coworker. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yeah, so because they see the passion that, that I have for Rebel Nail, want to see them grow and different things. And they was like, well, we think that the two-year program is won't be enough. So we would like to promote you to the production lead. And you don't have to graduate after two years. You can stay here as long as you want. Were there any particular challenges? Like if you had to tell a story to someone who you were trying to help join the Rebel Nell family, what would that one story be? Wow, it's like so many. I would say the main one of the main things that really steady impact me is when they saw that I have a passion for photography. And they was like, okay, I know you work for us and I know you want to be a business owner. So we still want to support you in that. And I think that that's like something that's so amazing and so unique about them because you don't see too many businesses that's like, okay, I know you got that interest, but you still work for us. You know, they like, no, we want to support you and what you want to do. And that's something big that they did to help me. Actually, I did the first bridal campaign. I was the photographer for the bridal and it's on their websites and everywhere, which is amazing. Coming from a person who was just taking family pictures to actually taking pictures, uh, having the opportunity to take an actual, have a campaign photo shoot and seeing the behind the scenes of that and them giving me that chance. It's so amazing. Hiring a business coach for me because they know I want to grow my photography business. Like, who does that <laughs> as an employer? They want you to grow, take wings, and fly beyond Rebel now. Exactly. I believe that they want to, there are time there. They want to have an impact in your life. You don't leave the same way you came in, which is amazing. And the thing that comes with that is me being transparent. Yes, I love working here. I love creating jewelry. But I'm also a business. I'm like, photography is my passion, too. They was able to work in both. Okay, I know you work here, so why don't you take pictures of our bridal? You know, so it's like marrying the two, if you will, which is amazing. And that's really unique because very often people have a job description and they say, okay, this is your job description. This is what you do. In yours, they've taken your strengths as a photographer and married it to very stable job that you need and making you grow as a person overall, not unidimensionally, not with a selfish motive. Yes, 100%. They Even with the lunch and learns that they do there, they have all types of uh, um, people that come in. Like when they see that Russell and I have the interest of um, buying a home, for the lunch and learn to have someone to talk about real estate, what you need to in order to be a homeowner. When they see that both of us are entrepreneurs, well, Kim also, they see that we are entrepreneurs. They had a group of entrepreneurs come in and talk to us about entrepreneurship. So amazing. They steady keeping us learning and growing as individuals, which is amazing. And not only with us personally, with working with Repelnail, we're able to see like the ins and outs of, and they be totally transparent with us with running a business. 
they're constantly teaching us things there too. It's just an amazing environment to be in for sure. It's like a family. Like a family. That's such a nice closing line. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Ethel, for coming on Mindful Businesses and wishing you all the best in your ambitions, your aspirations, and your business. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate you taking out the time to have me here. You're listening to Mindful Businesses, produced and hosted by Vidya Ayer. If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send an email to info at mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. Subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcast. If you learned a thing or two from this episode, share it with one friend. We recorded this podcast in Lafayette, Indiana. Theme music composed by Tatum Gale. Marketing assistant is Caitlin Milligan. This is Vedya Ayer with Mindful Businesses. <laughs>